3: It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action.
1: Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. March coming in like a lion. Uh, Dow futures up nearly 400. Vaccine optimism as J&J gets FDA approval, begins shipping, bonds stabilize, the house passes stimulus, and a lot more retail earnings are heading our way. Our roadmap, though, begins with these easing rate fears as stocks are poised for gains at the open. Plus, Exxon
0: continues to shake up its board of directors, activist investor Jeff Ubbin and Comcast former CFO Mike Angelakis have been added to that board. Just what is it going to mean for the energy company's climate initiatives? And four million single dose Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccines are now out for delivery. Twenty million expected by months and the U.S. continuing to set daily vaccination records, Carl. And it's just so nice to actually
1: say some good news. Uh, You got that right, David. Uh, At this point, uh, Jim, we got 46 million people in this country have had at least one dose. That's about 15 percent of the population. And J&J, of course, deliveries begin in the morning. And hearing you talk to Becky about not just a question of if this economy starts to get some fresh legs, but when.
3: I think this is very exciting. And if you notice the cadence that Alex Gorski talked about, you're really just It's a major ramp. And I know that Dr. Gottlieb correctly pointed out, obviously, that there's vial issues. Uh, By the way, Honeywell has a fantastic vial. I think people should understand that. And it's a great way. I'm sure uh, right now, Damcheck is calling these people and saying, listen, we've got a new kind of vial. But what I like about this, Carl, is we are now going to begin uh, to say it will be, David, I don't know, Memorial Day. We are able to pull up and through when we thought because of J&J's amazing capacity to make so many vials and for it not to be able to be frozen and put in dry ice, but just boom, UPS there, McKesson, UPS, McKesson, your store. Right. Your CVS, your Walgreens. It's it's real.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It it certainly feels that way. I mean, it's all anecdotal, of course, from my perspective in terms of various friends who are getting the vaccine, but it's started to really pick up. It really has, Jim, Uh, at least in the New York area, certainly and actually amongst friends around the country. So that's great news. Uh, And yeah, maybe you do move ahead, so to speak, in terms of your time when things are going to fully uh, reopen, Um, even with the concern, the continued concern about variants. And by the way, those who are going to continue to be very conservative in how they behave, Jim, which, you know, does weigh down certain parts.
3: Yep. And, And Carl, obviously, we have a lot of people who have already had it. Uh, now, I don't know whether they're necessarily going to take the vaccine anyway. I mean, I, the advice is from a lot of people that you should. But you, you combine the people who've had it, the people who've had it whom we don't know about the people who are getting this. I think that you can set up a mosaic that says the summer may be we still may need masks. And I'm thinking about the Disney conference call where they talked about you may need them. But mm. I think we're going to start thinking that, you know what, it's not so crazy that World Caribbean is trading it where it is. It's not so nutty that Norwegian's trading where it is. It's not insane that United Airlines ordered 25 new planes from Boeing this morning. And you know what planes they ordered, David? What planes, Jim? The ones that used to be, you know, people were worried about. Really? They ordered the Max?
1: Yes. The the Max, yeah. This is huge. Well, Jim, your, your points are well taken. Um, You look at the winners for the S&P in the month of February. uh, RCL and CCL were numbers uh, three and four. And as for Gorski, uh, he was on squawk earlier this morning. He was on the Today Show too this morning talking about the potential for it to help uh, asymptomatic transmission, the potential for it to help against the variants, and just what a miracle it is that this got done in 12 months.
0: Here we are a year later on the cusp of literally having a hundred million doses delivered in the United States by the end of June, close to a billion around the world by the end of this year is a uh, is just a remarkable achievement and uh while our doctors, our scientists, or engineers are incredibly proud and humbled, uh, I think it also gives a lot of hope uh to our country and to the world
1: you know Jim, I was thinking uh you know, Goldman last fall did have a bare case scenario that they drew out in which J&J would have failed because of what they thought at the time may be safety concerns. You didn't buy it then. No. Uh, I, and your faith has, has been well rewarded. Yeah,
3: I, I dealt with a lot of the people who were involved with making it. And there were people who, I mean, I didn't take those classes. They were very hard, but they walked me through it. And their level of confidence was, it made me so excited. And I remember going out and saying that I think that science is going to prevail. And then there was a New York Times piece that made fun of me and said that, uh, David, I always think about it because it said I was at Faber College. It said that I was Otter and I presented a science and it, it had great sport with me. And, I, you know, I always loved that thing because, you know, I'm from Philadelphia and I love these people who make fun of me. Science prevailed, David. Yes, it did. And by the way, Dr. You know, uh, Borla at Pfizer, that stock is so low. But yes. J&J stock is soaring. And if you remember, David, we talked about people will buy the news.
0: You, news. I know you, you made that point at the end of Squawk there. People will buy the news. Uh, interesting. Uh, as opposed to what? As well, opposed I mean, to you buying jo- before you the news and then joking. selling on the news, well, right? We, that's you what and I
3: both said this thing's going to be approved, okay? Yes. Maybe as soon as this weekend. Yes, And it did. Uh, and the stock's up. And yes. well, I said that that's going to be very odd because in the old days, you bought the rumor and sold it. Of course.
0: I mean, right. And in this one, I don't think there was a great deal of, of question as to whether it would, it would have been a very big story if it had been turned down.
3: Will you take it or are you you're going to hold out for Moderna? What are you doing? I'm not
0: holding out. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting close. Uh, most likely Moderna. And, Carl,
3: yeah. were you happy if you uh, get to J&J?
1: will literally take whatever I yeah, can get. I think, I, think, I think they're all great options. My Can daughter's
3: I? taking the AstraZeneca today. Can you mix Spain. and
1: match? Can you mix and match? Can no, you get a Moderna
3: and then... absolutely not. And then get a
0: uh, J&J no, a few months later? You're no. confusing people. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You can't mix them. Do you still need two doses of that Moderna and Pfizer? Why not? Why not? Okay.
3: All right. Just, just checking. I have to go on a plane How did you feel after the second dose? Did you... Did you... Did it, did it, it's a really interesting question because I didn't see I didn't realize how tired I was. Uh-huh. I like to stand up when I uh, work and write for mad money. Right. And I did fall asleep standing up and caught myself. No, I did. <laughs> I, I, didn't I, know, Carl, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't know how tired I was. I would have liked. I, I would have thought I was oh, hung look, over, but I
0: hadn't had anything to
1: drink. I would have liked to
0: have seen that you falling asleep uh, you know, standing up,
1: as my doctor said. Jim, if you're if you're having a reaction, uh, uh, fatigue after your second dose, it just shows that you actually have a, an operating immune system. So uh, it's somewhat encouraging. What was more interesting, I thought yesterday, Jim, was on the Sunday shows, Fauci now moving to a, another stage in which we start talking about high school kids uh, getting vaccinated maybe as early as October. Kids under 12, maybe Q1 of 22. Uh, but that's going to be another chapter as we move through this uh, this crucible. Yeah, well, we're still
3: stuck with this world where uh, it's case by case and state by state. I don't know how we got to the point where it wasn't like polio, where everybody had to go to the high school and take the sugar cube or get the inoculation to end polio uh, before the sugar cube. I I don't really understand the pastiche that we have. David, uh, there is there are parts of the country that are way ahead and the parts of the country with a lot of vials everywhere uh, that are not in people's arms. Uh, and it is very difficult to try to figure out what the heck we got stuck with, because we might be uh, get something Pennsylvania doesn't, yeah, Florida doesn't. I mean, it is it, it, you know we did get handed a.
0: No, we did, but right. but it's breaking out all over now. You know, this it's starting to become available in ways that a few weeks ago it didn't seem to be even. Do and, and You sound optimistic. I well, just I you know it's funny. I, I had a bunch of friends this weekend who. Got the vaccine. Really? Yeah. You know, whether it's phone calls from the pharmacy and saying, hey, we've got some extra ones, whether it's a place they're administering it in a certain part of the city, again, or whether it was somebody who had an underlying condition. I mean, those are all getting done. Younger people now.
3: The smokers Um, in Jersey.
0: Yeah. uh, The state of Connecticut moving to 55 55. uh, as of today. So it's happening um, and it's great. Well, you know, know, but Jim, we don't want to forget that uh it's still out there. The various cases are still higher than they were uh, not that many months ago. uh, And and so you do still continue to need to
3: to behave. Well, the anti-maskers are very powerful for. Yeah. And uh, people feel that masks don't work. Obviously, they did once the new government came in and said people should wear them. We did get a big drop. But these things Are fake news, mainstream mainstream media news, Carl, I find it tiresome (laughs) because the actual numbers dropped when people had to wear masks.
1: It dropped. Yep, that's true. Yep. uh, Mitigation efforts really did pay off. It wasn't all uh, vaccine distribution. Jim, if all this is true and we're looking at an economy that's poised to have fresh legs, um, why over the weekend were so many uh, Wall Street notes saying that the 10-year yield was going to back off? I don't know.
3: I mean, I think that that there's going to be a lot of economic activity. But we had a figure this morning uh, that was uh, the, when Modi was doing the five, which talked about the balance sheet of America and the trillions that people have. And that means that there may not be loan demand. Uh, David, the balance sheets of America had always been shoddy. And now I don't know whether you actually need a loan to do a lot or you put down far less than you would. Right. So the demand, and the demand among uh, big skyscrapers and building infrastructure? Well, that may, no. I, yeah, that may not be there.
0: No. For uh, new office buildings? No. Hard, hard to, uh, hard to see that shopping in the centers, term.
3: shopping centers, no. no, shopping malls, no, no, and those are the ones that data you use.
0: centers, yes,
3: data center, yes, yes. And, and in strange places, yes, and in strange places. But David, what do you think about the possibility? Energy I have Martin Mariette on tonight. Okay, that we really do an infrastructure bill that would encourage and make things a little hotter. It would. Uh, right now, we
0: still got to stay focused on whether we're going to get the one point nine trillion that uh, right. that that uh, seemed likely. But, you know, there are there's a a debate about the minimum wage, the parliamentarian saying it can't be part of that reconciliation. But the far left of the Democratic Party, who knows? Uh, I don't know, Jim. I'm not uh, going to. And then if you get that, do you really are you able to just move right on to infrastructure? One would hope so. One would hope we'd finally get to infrastructure. President Trump tried very hard. Yeah, every
3: day was every week was infrastructure week. We never got an infrastructure bill, though. No, Carl. I think America wants an infrastructure bill, but there's some reason uh, someone always just you know, puts a, a monkey wrench in it. And I want to talk to Ward Nye because Ward is really key, Martin Marietta, keyed on the states, because there's states that really do road building and then there's states that don't do anything. They're waiting for the federal government. And uh, Ward is really concentrated on where the states are very bullish and want to have uh, new roads. But the federal government has really not contributed very much at all.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to talk later this morning, Jim, about uh, Buffett's letter, which goes into some detail about the amount of money that's going to be necessary to fix the grid, at least. Very exciting. Very exciting. I guess... I hear the music. I guess we'll take a break. We'll talk right. about Buffett's letter to shareholders, the buyback, of course, uh, the grid, the Mia Culpa on precision cast parts. David's got this great scoop now uh, officially announced by Exxon about uh, Ubin and Angelakis going to the board. We'll talk about the retail earnings on the way and a lot more. Don't go anywhere.
0: It is breaking news. It's uh, news we brought you about an hour ago on Squawk Box. Uh, been confirmed by the company, Jeff Ubbin and Mike Angelakis, new board members at Exxon Mobil. Uh, Not an unimportant moment for this company as it continues to refresh its board, add to its board of directors. Of course, our viewers may know Hubbin, uh, formerly the man behind Value Act, uh, has moved on as well to uh, start something called Inclusive Capital Partners, a focused ESG fund that uh, hopes to raise as much as perhaps eight billion dollars and a a decent amount of that may be allocated towards ExxonMobil, of which he's now going to be sitting on, is now sitting on the board. This has actually already happened. Mike Angelakis, of course, uh, somebody we know well here, the former CFO of Comcast, both bring certain expertise. Uh, Ubin um, has been sitting on the board, by the way, Jim, of AES, which which you know, and has sort of o- helped the transition there that has taken place from what was a coal base to more renewables. ExxonMobil, this is going to be a long, long process, but it is a transition that this company is going through, and it's one that is supported by the most important person on that board, the first guy, Darren Woods, who is behind a lot of this, who um, had this long conversation with D.E. Shaw that became uh, invested in the stock a number of months ago uh, and was supportive of both these guys being put on the board. And Woods, uh, Jim seems to be all in uh, on this idea. Not that you're going to become somehow carbon neutral in 10 years. No. But you are going to be able to use the expertise of engineering that Exxon has had to help to develop some of the technologies that are going to actually make carbon capture something that becomes a lot more price efficient, cost efficient, while you also transition your business. The same way, I guess, they did when it was whale oil to kerosene and kerosene to gasoline. Rockefeller.
3: Yeah. yeah. Titan. You, you read it. Uh, Re- I read it. it recently. Great book. Now, David, when you look at the makeup of that board, there are a lot of people who are very thoughtful people, mm-hmm. and we know them. William Weldon, Doug Oberhump from, uh, used to be Cat, uh, Caterpillar. Uh, we, uh, Ken Frazier, Ursula Burns, Angela Brett Bailey, all yeah. of these people are candidates to talk about ESG directly to Darren Woods. That, that is no longer, David, when you switch and you bring it in, you've got a board that might... Pr- put more pressure than we thought on Exxon becoming a different company. Right. Look at that board. I mean, the board well, and, is a very
0: open-minded board. And in a way, you also, if you're Woods, you, you have a partner, and it's kind of pushing. I mean, Yes. You know, uh, which you need to do. You know, the boards are an interesting animal, and they really are. And having talked to so many people who, even at companies where you would expect somebody would speak up, sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, they get into sort of a group think. And so you do need people to sort of push an agenda, even as a CEO. You need to get your board in a certain place. But, Jim, we're going to be watching closely. They have an investor day coming up on Wednesday where I think they will lay out more, perhaps uh, in more specificity and transparency than is typical for Exxon in terms of their um, in terms of their their guidance uh, when it comes to sort of this transition, even also things like what the price of oil is at which they actually make money, which they right. not typically right. answered right. question in the past. Um, you know, but but those looking for this to be an overnight transition, of course not. But by the way, the stock has performed very well, in part because right. the underlying commodity has performed well, but it has outperformed uh, Chevron but over the last few months in a significant
3: sh- way. Chevron went third best in the Dow. Yep or third best, I'm not sure exactly Dallas, S&P how much better it is, but I would say this, David, the commitment to the dividend yep. changed everything because that dividend is very big and uh, Mr. Woods has made it very clear that dividend is pretty much sacrosanct. The other thing, David, that we have to talk about is they historically have not been as bad as people think when it comes to methane. Right. Uh, it's kind of surprising. You would think that they were one of these companies that hadn't focused on methane. They've tried to bring methane down. They're probably in the lower third of the companies that produce methane. But when you talk with them, they are still talking about things like algae. And algae's good, but yeah. algae's not a needle mover.
0: No, no. Uh, and listen, there are still uh, many, of these commer- many of these technologies have not been commercialized that right. are going to allow them to significantly reduce their carbon footprint. And even when you do talk to Mike Wirth or Darren Woods and the idea of EV-powered vehicles taking over the planet in 10 or 15 years, if that would really happen, they still say, well, 75% of a barrel of oil won't, doesn't go towards that. Oh. Um, and so you've got that part of the business. Uh, CapEx and OpEx have come down at ExxonMobil. Great scoop. We've got to these.
3: Angel Ockers, by the way,
0: tough. Yeah. Tough, yeah, yeah. And somebody who also is obviously very well acquainted, Carl, as you might imagine, with the allocation of capital which is an important part of this story too let's not forget that it's not just about uh, the carbon neutral future it's also about reducing capex and opex to the optimum level for this company
1: yeah and darren woods on squawk uh, this thursday so we'll be curious to see uh, how he addresses all of those things we'll get to more in the energy space uh, gm rolling out some new uh, iterations of the bolt for this summer and the hummer later this year futures continue to look good more squawk on the streets back in a moment
0: Okay, three and a half minutes before we get started with trading. Let's
3: get a mad dash Micron. There's really only been one semiconductor that's held up during this period, and it is Micron. You can see that chart. That's because uh, they make Flash, and Flash has got good pricing, and they make DRAMs. That's got good pricing. They're going to be speaking on Wednesday. I think there's a possibility that they raise numbers at a conference. The reason why this is really important is we have to see if anyone follows along. Because we saw some terrible action in the semiconductors last week. And a lot of it was people saying, we don't want growth, we want value. And growth has been centered on cloud and semiconductors. So, David, we have to watch Micron to see if it can be the leader once again, because we just really got pancaked in this group. And the rotation was so evident that a lot of people were, were in despair on Thursday and Friday.
0: Yeah. You know, something else we have to keep an eye on is, of course, chip shortages, not related to Micron specifically, but just in terms of, well, autos. But we had HP on, of course, uh, on what was it, Friday, I guess, Enrique Enrique talking about they're going to be able to make their guidance based on what they see. But it's going to supply is going to be limited in certain areas of the economy, isn't it, Jim?
3: Yes. And a lot of this is because NXPI uh, produces so much of what goes into an auto. And I understand that an XPI is very, very constrained. And remember, auto sales were very bad during the beginning of the pandemic. So a lot of the uh, auto companies really cut back. Uh, the Chinese didn't. The Chinese did not cut back. And I think that's one of the reasons why they have first dibs. David, I don't know if you noticed that the new way that Biden wants to do this is to approach uh, China with our allies. But remember, our allies, 25 percent, it tends to be, of what they sell is to China. Right. So they have tended to be not as harsh as, say, Peter Navarro was, who led the charge against China. Yeah. But, uh, Carl, it's not
0: limited to cars, of course, HP, printers, right. uh, uh, computers, analog devices also. Even though they make their own, they, some, Carl, some wafer components and things of that nature you know, need to go into what they do. So we are keeping a close eye on sort of this broader shortage of chips so to speak across industries
1: yeah uh... whether it's uh... lumber jim or semiconductors uh... there's a a lot of announcements this week of uh... wall street conference calls trying to address Uh, whether we're in a regular cycle or a super cycle or just how scarcity is going to be digested by uh, by the markets as we work our way into the summer. Jim, before the bell, we haven't really gotten your report card on Buffett's letter. um, The defense of buybacks, at least his own buyback, not not all buybacks. And this uh, lack of commentary either on SPACs, really, or on GME, although Munger took care of some of that last week. Yeah, I
3: mean, I think that what he basically said was, look, if you're a long-term investor, you can do well. And I think that was a very—it wasn't it, it really wasn't an offhanded attack or anything. I think it's just like, hey, guys, uh, younger investors, you can do really well if you compound. And obviously, he has preferred people to just put money in an index fund. The most jarring thing was the Precision Cast Parts, which was the company that they obviously paid too much for. That's his words, $37 billion. He came on uh, Squawk Box that morning. And he said he's paying a very high multiple, and it was highly unusual for him to do that. It was the largest acquisition, and it was a bad one for the $11 billion write-down. So, Carl, very self-effacing letter.
1: Yeah, uh, he did say uh, not his only mistake, but in his words, uh, that was a big one. Uh, he says he paid too much. as a look at the opening bell. Uh, S&P almost uniformly green uh, this morning as we're uh, back above, getting closer back to, to $3,900. Um, Jim, really quick, uh, one thing you noticed as you look for trends this morning is the number of either secondaries or note offerings. I I counted RCL, Norwegian, Twitter and Shake Shack this morning.
3: Yeah, of these, I mean, obviously, RCL, uh, really smart to take advantage of the frantic buying uh, by younger people. The buying at 4 a.m. was just insane. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, because one thing I know at Royal Caribbean was thinking was this is an opportunity to be able to fix our balance sheet. Uh, Norwegian already had a good balance sheet, so I was a little surprised because I think that they have some very good orders. Uh, but the one that really was, I think, terrific was the Twitter announcement because Twitter is investing. It was one of the things I had Ned Siegel on last week, the CFO. They're doing a $1.25 billion convertible note. I'm sure that they'll pay. You know, they'll get incredible prices. David, when you do a convertible note and your Twitter, you pay through what a mortgage, what, what, what a mortgage costs people. I mean, I, I just think that Twitter is a totally love stock after being a dislike stock. And the reason why is because they're spending. And you hear over and over again from analysts who are saying, you know what? Twitter was dormant and now they're spending. And this is very good news for them because they had fallen behind even Pinterest. I shouldn't say Pinterest pretty good, but you know what I mean. They've fallen behind companies that you didn't think of as being necessarily a must buy. But I think Pinterest is a must buy and Twitter's going it, Twitter's becoming a must buy.
0: Yeah, you've said that. And obviously, the stock has been a been a big wow. buy so far this year, up what, 40, 44 percent. It's the best. Um, Look at that. As You see, you're to date as we just begin the month of March. But you're right. One point two five billion. We don't have the pricing on it, Jim, but one would expect it's pretty aggressive. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the question has always been right. Will they will they make the right investments? Are they innovating quickly enough? Are they changing the platform in ways that they should? You seem to think the answer now is yes.
3: Well, I was on Spaces last week, and I was only given one tweet. Uh, They told me a tweet. I tweeted, like, at at 8.30 for a 9 p.m. show. It was kind of a beta. And we had 3,000 people instantly, and it wasn't – they were very good. Because I said, look, I can't tell who these people are. One of them was called – I don't know, like Acorn and another guy was called uh, Super Joe. You know, I mean, you have to know who these people are because you invite them in to talk. Right. And I, I saw Rich Greenfield, who's a fixture. Uh, Jason Kalkanis used to be uh, a guy that we thought about in New York as the squawk. Remember, we was like Alley, New York, you know, Silicon Alley. Well, he, he comes on all the time on yeah. the show. On, but, on, yeah. Yes. But what I liked about it, David, was that it is a rival to this fabled clubhouse that everybody likes. So much. Right, right. Which Yes, Carl, which
0: has, uh, which has grown dramatically as well. I uh, have yet to participate. Not sure I will. I why? I don't know if you have. Uh, why? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I like to give these things time. Time to season a little bit. Get a sense for them.
3: Well, Carl, you know that these things are fun. They're fun.
1: Yeah, I've got to to check out uh, Clubhouse myself. Uh, As for Twitter, uh, I think it was last week Goldman went to 112. Today it's uh, Baird goes to 81, MKM goes to 95. So you you guys are right, the street's definitely re-rating, at least on the price targets for Twitter. Jim, uh, last week the Journal took a look at Carol Tomei and her efforts to uh, simplify UPS. Uh, Today it's a big story on Jane Frazier at Citi, who officially takes over today.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Carol Tomei piece was good, and I had her on Mad Money, and the stock is hated right now. I don't know why. It sells at 18 times earnings, 2.5% yield. She guaranteed that Christmas would be good, and it was. She's a person of her word. Uh, Jane Fraser comes in. I've always felt that when would a major bank be run by a woman, given the fact that the finances in so many households are run by women. And I think that this is a great advantage for City if they take if they really make it clear that Jane Fraser is coming in and wants to do well for the American consumer. Now obviously this is a worldwide company. David, the reason why I think this is so significant is because we're really starting to see some women get to higher levels. We're not seeing minorities get to higher levels, which is disappointing. But women are starting to get. I had two women CEOs on Friday. I mean, we're seeing women in tech. We're seeing women in banking. So maybe the glass ceiling to some degree is being cracked.
0: Maybe. Maybe not enough. No, uh, obviously not. No. Enough. Uh, and in banking, it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, she comes in at a crucial juncture. You heard was it Mike Mayo talking earlier on Squawk Box saying, some, I mean, he typically will say, some things that uh, others won't no. talk about. <laughs> i he wasn't in my uh, spaces. He, I, you know, I don't want to quote him. I mean, I heard it, and I, but I can't remember exactly. But he, he, he didn't mince words when he came to the disaster he seemed to feel that that, uh, that city was very recently, yeah, he re- certainly whoa. in terms of the, their systems yeah. failure.
3: Whoa. Well, there were issues that Revlon business.
0: And they don't have to, they, they're not getting that money back. No. You saw the most recent ruling from a judge. I think half a billion of it was not returned and doesn't need to be for the payment that was incorrectly sent was by incredible. Citi on behalf of Revlon, that city, is money, not
3: Revlon's. Right. This, the uh, stock is still below a uh, tangible book, so they could continue to buy. I'd like to see your analysis of whether she wants to continue to buy the way that Mike, Michael Corbett did. I do think that uh, J.P. Morgan is still by far the well,
0: leader. Well, you like the banks here, though, overall? I mean, they've had a great move as a group. Uh, over the course of the year, you point out J.P. Morgan. I mean, it is up 17 percent off its most recent highs. But, you know, you're still talking about very close to its all time highs.
3: Right. Well, you, you've got one the situations, Carl, where as rates go up, people love them and until rates go up so much that people hate them and uh, and business activity is is uh, slowed down. Uh, we do need you mentioned lumber uh, on the very jarring Home Depot call. Uh, lumber's doubled in a year. Uh, Copper was at four dollars and 17 cents. I mean, you know, copper, there's been two mines that have been restarted. uh, So there's possibilities and the Baltic freight has come down. But, you know, Carl, that at a certain point, people are going to say, wait a second. uh, Isn't housing going to cool because rates are too high housing? There's you can get a three and a quarter uh, conforming right now, which is still really, really low. But uh, I do think Mm -hmm. that the people who love the banks turn on them very quickly if they hear anything bad about bad loans.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of uh, the performance of the sector, Jim, which is one of the best performing ones this morning, uh, the story about uh, Goldman losing a couple of senior bankers to Walmart. Wow. As Walmart tries to fire up that fintech startup. I mean, we're going to it's not the last time we're going to talk about the Wall Street diaspora moving into non-traditional ways of fintech. I,
3: I look this is this one shocking. It, it is kind of. I mean, David Solomon obviously wishes them well. And uh, I've met. These guys are hitters, okay. These guys are real hitters, and they understand how to set up a fintech bank. They did Marcus. Uh, I've used Marcus. Uh, you get some good rates. David, you know that uh, this is maybe Walmart's second attempt to become a bit of a bank. What do you think? I don't know
0: what to think. Certainly, they have access to, and they've got a lot of names now, even Walmart.com as well,
3: right? Right, but Marcus people Le- walking in the store. I do. Um, I, yeah. I like this move. Uh, I like it because. So many people go to Walmart each week, and why shouldn't they be, why should all of this go to uh, PayPal and Square? Now, I don't know their relation with Walmart, but I'm saying that in general, when you speak to younger people, they're on uh, Cash App or they're on PayPal, and, uh, and they want to buy, you know, they want to have their Klarna uh, buy now, pay later. These are all the big things that the younger people want, and uh, it's a big change from what our generation did.
0: Yeah. As we watch the broader market uh, advance about one and a half percent, guys, not a big morning uh, on M&A, even though uh, the practitioners of it, whether lawyers or bankers, seem to expect big things this year. uh, Judging from the conversations I've had in recent weeks, Uh, but not a lot of headlines this morning. Did want to just stay on top of that core logic deal that we've been following uh, for some time. CoStar did uh, increase its bid, or at least I should say added cash to a bid that uh, previously was solely all stock now they're adding 450 million about 6 bucks a share in cash to what is now what they're calling a $97 uh, a share deal and by the way it's more or less is, is a $97 a share deal because costar has not uh, moved down uh there's there's a look. They also uh, termination date six months, but then another six, another three. So that adds up to 15 months. But what do we want to tell you here? Well, it seems likely that this is going to be deemed as likely to lead to a superior proposal of, uh, over the 80 bucks they've accepted from uh, Stone Point. Um, from private equity. So we're watching uh, Shares of CoreLogic and we will wait for uh, the board to reach that determination that seems likely they did uh, address their concerns on antitrust. They did address their concerns about the termination fee. Doesn't seem to be much left to be concerned about if you are that CoreLogic board, unless CoStar's stock price were to take a deep dive, which, as you see right there, Jim, it is not.
3: No, Uh, not a lot of M&A. And there's been a cessation of the endless, uh, IPOs, uh, not, not the SPAC. You haven't even mentioned the word SPAC. Well, there we do. Here we he, are,
0: 40 minutes in. What do you, I haven't actually, I was busy with ExxonMobil and some other things. I haven't kept a close eye on SPAC world this morning. I've heard uh, a couple of rumors, but...
3: I haven't either. I mean, I'm no? looking at Oscar that comes public this week, and I think that's going to be a very good deal. That's a, not, the, that's a the traditional... Health, the health insurance. Yeah, traditional IPO. That's the actual old-fashioned way. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think it's going to be one that's a disruptor. Right. Uh, and could be very good. I and mean, I think people who are... looking for a good solid growth company should look at Oscar today because it comes later this week.
0: Okay. Yeah, no flying cars. Speaking of this week. Yeah, sorry, Carl, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, Jim, of this week, we're going to get Target, Dollar Tree, Costco, Gap, Kroger, Kohl's. Um, Are you looking for clues within retail as to... How they're going to manage this uh, new surge of maybe in-person demand?
3: Oh, very much. I mean, I, I think that calls are going to be interesting, of course, because we had John Duskin in there with the uh, uh, almost 10 percent stake. We had some positive uh, chatter uh, where people are talking about the activist agenda being right. And the board, uh, maybe board needs a refresh. But, yeah, I mean, look, everyone has not liked uh, what Walmart said. I thought Doug McMillan made a case that basically was the reset that he did a few years ago where the stock went from uh, 90 to 80. But, Carl, I I am addicted to these stocks because these are the ones that really got hurt last week.
1: Yeah, we're going to watch that. Guys, every sector is green. VIX back down below 25. Interesting way. It's the best day at this point for the markets in exactly a month. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob.
4: Good morning, guys. What a great start to March. 10 to 1 advancing the declining stocks. You don't see that very often. And of course, lower yield means less pressure on the stock market. And that means the reflation trade can reassert itself. Take a look at the sectors. You'll see what I say. Now, it's a broad rally. So tech is leading. That's also a very good sign. But energy, banks, industrials, materials there's your reflation trade that sector was up dramatically we saw some of these energy stocks up twenty percent banks up twenty percent in february uh, industrials up eight 10 percent materials up five to ten percent this is all in february this trade is now continuing a lot of this is dependent on interest rate pressures that we're seeing Travel and leisure stocks flying again this morning. All of these names, of course, you heard about the secondary some of these companies are offering, but Carnival was up big uh, in February. All of these big, big moves here for these companies. I looked at some travel in Florida in April. Things are booking up very, very fast. Airlines booking up fast ones that I looked at in the last week, at least going down to Miami uh, in the month of April. If you look at the, what these cruise lines and what the, the travel stocks were doing in February, huge boost to the upside, 30 40% right across the board. And as uh, you heard from the guys this morning, a lot of them talking about offering secondaries uh, at this point. So we're entering March with the reflation trade still very much intact, but there is a little bit worry about this rate hike. And there's a lot of talk about the old Tina trade. Remember that? I haven't used that word in a long time. Uh, there is no alternatives to stocks. That was a favorite altern- idea uh, for the last several years as interest rates have been this low. Who wants to be in bonds at this point? But higher yields it recently in the last few weeks have started to put pressure on high multiple stocks. And I'm talking largely technology stocks, many of which the big ones traded 30, 40, 50 times forward multiples. We've seen a fairly tough time in the last few weeks as those rates have risen. And there's been people talking about the Tina trade is not so obvious anymore. Maybe not dead, but it's not as obvious uh, anymore. And the good news, of course, is that reflation trade still uh, is intact. And if you look at the performance of tech stocks, uh, in February, which is a pretty good month for that reflation trade, you see, flattish to down. You know, Apple is you know 12, 13, 14 percent off of its historic highs. The big movers that we watch every day, uh, at best, uh, generally flattish. Uh, at worst, down 4 percent for Amazon, 8 percent as you see there for Apple. So there's your your debate about Tina. There, higher rates really puts pressure on. High growth multiple stocks, high multiple stocks. Finally, as for Mr. Buffett, uh, loved reading his letter as everybody else did and loved watching the concentration of his stocks. It is truly awesome to see the portfolio that they have put together. I I mean, look at these numbers. They own 18% of American Express. They're the largest single shareholder of American Express. They're the largest shareholder of Bank of America at 11%. They're the largest shareholder of U.S. Bank Corp. They're the largest holder of Coca-Cola and 5.4 percent. They are the second largest holder of Apple after Vanguard, which owns significantly more. Of course, this is not a value portfolio. What would you call it? I guess you would call it a pragmatist portfolio. Mr. Buffett became much more of a pragmatist over the years. And that investment in Apple, not a value stock, has certainly paid off for him. So here's to pragmatic investing at this point. Great read from Mr. Buffett. As always, Carl, back to you.
1: All right, Bob, that's a good one. Yeah, everybody should take a look at it, Uh, Bob Pisani. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning as well with some uh, data on the menu. Hey, Rick.
5: Yes, uh, a PMI, this manufacturing PMI from market, M-A-R-K-I-T, is expected to be around 58.5, which was the mid-February breed. We moved up 110, 58.6. We toss out 58.5. This becomes the final read. And sequentially, it is a bit of a reversal. 59.2 is the final January read. And of course, that was a high water mark, post-COVID, so we have moved back a bit, but still solid number, well above the expansion contraction line and well above the cycle low of 36.1 that was in April. Let's move to the market, shall we? Uh, Pretty much three-day charts give us everything we need to know in the fixed income side. Uh, the sovereign side, actually. Look at a three-day chart of 10s. You see the high water mark there on the left spiked up to 161. That gives us a lot of information. That is going to be an area that we pay close attention to on a breakout should we get above it. But now we see the resistance in the low to mid-150s. Look for that to continue to work. It doesn't mean the move is over. Let's see where the support comes in below the market. If you look at Boone's, Boone's high watermark, minus 20 basis points. And there's a lot of issues going on with negative rates. Great journal story about how some of the bigger German banks, of course, are starting to move down the food chain on who they're actually charging. Uh, fees to and fines to hold your money because negative rates uh, the central bank charges them up minus 50 basis points. That is starting to get pervasive again negative rates and it really augurs for a potential stopper bringing in buyers on our long maturities and finally year to date of the dollar index. This is a key week last week. We held, we held those early January lows where we were closed under 90 the first week of the year. And that was the lowest level since the spring of 2018. Holding there is very significant. Many believe the dollar index may have its worst days behind them. Why? Think about how the rest of the world is. Are we the cleanest of the dirty shirts on the foreign exchange side? Yes. And the reserve currency. Carl, Jim, David, back to you.
1: All right, Rick, we'll see you later, Uh, Rick Santelli. Um, In the meantime, best gains in a month. Every Dow component is green, led by Boeing. And energy is going to be your leading sector at the moment. Squawk on the Street continues after a break. All right. Uh, Dow's up almost 500, one and a half percent gain here as we kick off a new month, Jim. And I guess that kind of raises the question, is this about flows and new money for a new month or something different in the way the street sees the reopening? Uh,
3: look, I, I think that there's a fabulous piece by our friend David Costin at Goldman, who just emphatically says, look, you, you just can't trade off a rate. You just it's they're just still way too low. But he does talk about be careful of the companies that are fast growing that don't have any earnings. And I think that's going to reassert itself. People would rather own Boeing than they would a lot of the new cloud stocks. I use Boeing because of this United Airlines order that I think is so significant. Uh, I do question whether we're not going to go right back, David, to the value trade because what people want—and I I don't value—is a big rubric. People want to play May, June. They want to. They're watching J and J, and they're saying, "Okay, we're traveling. Let's go." And there are not that many travel stocks.
0: No. Are you better off uh, selling and or shorting some of the stay-at-home plays? Shorting. No, right? Shorting. People don't do that anymore? David, shorting?
3: Yeah. Do you have like a private, <laughs> private uh, bunker somewhere? I, I know. I guess, I guess I said maybe? the wrong thing. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe wow. a portfolio. Maybe they could short your index. Does that ex- no, that doesn't exist really yet,
3: does well, it? Well, I don't know, David. I'm okay. still thinking about where I can hide you. Maybe Uh-oh. Hunter. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: somewhere yeah. guess i said the wrong
3: thing adirondacks
0: right. maybe i can maybe, bury you under mount yeah. marcy just selling maybe they should s- that, stay yeah. at home stocks Whew. are no
3: longer a box Whew. i don't i'm not saying that Ugh. i'm just questioning thank you david you're welcome for clearing up that misconception
1: <laughs> uh short break here all kidding aside uh and more uh, market coverage on the other side of this break don't go away March is uh, normally a winning month, but uh, this is a nice way to start uh, the next uh, 30 or so days. S&P breadth very positive, up 62 points. Best gains in about a month since the first couple days of February. More Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Don't go away.
3: Let's get to Jim and stop trading. There's a lot of talk about J&J and how, how quickly they can ramp up. I had Emergent Bio on, which is their partner. I just want to go over what they said to me, which is they said they had agreed upon and be able to make hundreds of millions of doses for J&J. So I think that the three, four million that Alex Gorsi talking about does not include what Emergent Bio can do, which is one of the reasons why I am so bullish on the reopening of America, because J&J and Emergent Bio work together. And when I see hundreds of millions, what that says to me, is it's almost over. It's almost
1: over. Yep, easy to store, one shot, 100 million at least in the U.S. by June, Jim. It's really encouraging. How about tonight? Martin Marietta? Martin Marietta, look, I've got infrastructure
3: people keep talking about. Well, they're the number one infrastructure company because they make uh, aggregates. They're the company that makes roads. And it's been a big business. Sailpoint, still one more of these companies that is about identity and uh, zero tolerance. People care tremendously uh, who watch the show about cybersecurity and uh, Mark McLean is pretty good at it.
1: Is this show really over? Uh, another big week I know it goes it goes fast, Jim. Can I stick um, around? We'll see you tonight, of course. No? <laughs> yeah, you know you're always welcome to, but I don't know where you I I don't know where you no, find the time. No, you not start yet, prepping let's get for some guests tonight. we can stick
3: around. Let's get Darren Woods. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. I mean, that would anybody we get hear to Aaron, from him later I mean, in the week? W- would that be? now? Oh, he's somewhere else.
1: We'll see. Are, are we? We're booking. We're booking on the air. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. see you later, we'll see what too. We can do. Mad Money, six p.m. Eastern Time.
3: You've been listening to the opening
1: bell
2: on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.